I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Ed Madison, Executive Vice President of Operations and Security Services at the nonprofit group, the Center for Internet Security, about a new free service, malicious domain blocking and reporting, being offered to healthcare sector entities in the US to help defend against ransomware attacks, which have been surging. So Ed, I understand that CIS is making this service available to private hospitals in the US, but that a similar service has already been available for public hospitals, health departments, and healthcare provider organizations through the Multi-State Information Sharing and Analysis Center. I understand that MS Isaac's funding for public hospitals is being provided by the Department of Homeland Security's CISA organization. So with that said, why did CIS decide to launch this program for private hospitals and how does the service work? In my part of CIS, I run the MSISAC and another thing called the Elections Infrastructure ISAC. Those organizations are federally funded by the Department of Homeland Security's CISA organization. Last year, in 2020, we were funded by Congress to stand up this MDBR, Malicious Domain Blocking and Reporting, for not only public hospitals, but all public entities, states, counties, K through 12 schools, of which those public entities include public hospitals. Okay. And so we have approaching 2000 organizations now that are using that federally funded version of malicious domain blocking and reporting. And we've had great results with it in blocking emails coming from phishing campaigns, ransomware, and other types of malware that, that are prevalent today across the United States. So that's what we had been doing. And then CIS is larger than the MSI SAC. Okay. So the MSISAC is one part of our business, but we are a nonprofit group, like you had mentioned. And so we take funds that we bring in in other areas and we reinvest them to our mission, which is to make the connected world a safer place for, for organizations and individuals. So we have a very wide sweeping altruistic mission. And so we saw the effect that we were having with state, local agents, state and local agencies. So we decided that the healthcare industry, specifically private hospitals and such were under such attack during COVID by ransomware that we thought we could provide something that would that would help them and, and provided at no cost. So Ed, what kinds of private hospitals are eligible for these services? And are there any other private healthcare entities that are eligible to use the service? And when did MS Isaac make it available for the public healthcare sector? So that was made available in the July, starting in the July timeframe of 2020. So in about six months, we've brought on almost 2000 organizations. And a lot of them, like I said, are things like small counties, local municipalities, K through 12 school districts, public hospitals, a number of things like that. The ones that are eligible for our private offering are independent hospital systems, multi-hospital systems, integrated health systems that include hospitals, and post-acute patient care facilities, and then other psychiatric rehab or other specialty hospitals. So mostly hospitals and hospital systems. 
So Ed, how might this service fit in with the other efforts that healthcare sector entities have been taking to step up their security in light of the current threat landscape? How does the service work? Basically, malicious domain blocking reporting is a secure DNS service. And DNS stands for domain naming service. And so whenever you type in a web address, right? You type in www.google.com or any other web address. When you do that, it goes out and uses the domain naming service or domain naming system, DNS, to look up what's the IP address of where that is located on the internet so it can route your traffic to where you want it to go. And so what this does is any DNS type traffic that is any web requests that are leaving your organization. So that could be you in a browser, that could be you clicking on a link in an email, that could be a machine in your enterprise that's got malware installed on it is trying to phone home. And so what happens is you point your DNS servers, most organizations of any kind have, have DNS servers and or their internet ser- provider has DNS servers. And so they, they simply point their DNS servers to the service that we're offering, to a specific set of IP addresses. And then through our provider, which in this case is Akamai, the request that you're making is checked against a list of known malicious sites. Okay, so there are malicious domains and malicious threat actors that are characterized. And so Akamai sees as much as two thirds of all the internet's traffic requests. So they have a really good idea of what is good and what is bad. And so by simply blocking what we would call known malware addresses or known malware domains, we can prevent many malware, ransomware, and phishing activities from being successful. Now, besides ransomware and other sort of malware attacks, are there any other sort of potential attacks that this service might help entities defend against? For the most part, it is domain-based protection. So what I mean by that is, you know, there are other things you had mentioned before, how, how does this fit in with what other things people are doing? Well, many people have things on their endpoints, right? So what we call endpoint detection and response, or before there was simple things like antivirus programs. So this fits in very nicely with endpoint detection product that you would put on your endpoints. And then most people have either a firewall or an intrusion detection system kind of at the edge of their network. This is kind of a catch-all over the top of those systems. It's kind of a safety net that complements those and can help specifically, like I said, with with things that are being done over IP to malicious domains. So really, we're talking about anything that uses a malicious domain to communicate to what we call like a command and control server, all sorts of malware uses that type of setup where they communicate, they infect the machine first, then they try to basically phone home. And then there are plenty of links that come in phishing and other emails that try to infect with various types of malware. And so if you block those known phishing domains, then they can't get infected with all the types of malware that would come from those domains. So now, Ed, as you know, we've been seeing a lot of breaches involving third-party vendors, supply chain partners. Could this service potentially help healthcare sector entities deal with those sorts of situations? Sure. So anything that is outbound from an organization that is domain-based 
would be checked by MDBR. So like I had said, if, if you have a server that, it, that is reaching out for updates, if you have, for instance, on the vendor side, a lot of vendor interactions with a, from a healthcare entity are going to be done through email. So if you were to get an email from what you thought was one of your vendors, but it turned out to be a phishing email and trying to do install malware, you know, the healthcare worker clicks on a link in email, MDBR would prevent that communication from happening if the domain is associated with any kind of malicious activity. That would probably be the number one way for vendor stuff that it would help you. And overall, Ed, in terms of the kinds of cyber threats, attacks that CIS is seeing in the healthcare sector beyond ransomware, what is the most disturbing sorts of issues that you think the healthcare sector really needs to be paying more attention to? I would say after ransomware that you're going to be Phishing is the one I've mentioned multiple times. That's going to be right behind it. And and actually, they're intertwined, right? Because phishing emails are often the method by which these other types of malware are delivered, right? So phishing emails are often the way that ransomware can get into an organization or these other ones that I will mention. So remote access Trojans are a very common one. So this is something that basically gets access, gives remote access to, once the malware gets installed, it gives users who are remote to that organization access into some of their systems that they have infected. So that's that's one that we're seeing a lot in healthcare. Another thing is often some of these healthcare institutions have a lot of server capacity. So we're seeing them try to install cryptocurrency mining software. So to take the bandwidth that those servers might have, the processing capacity to mine Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency. And finally, Ed, looking ahead, anything else that CIS is planning or doing specifically for the healthcare sector that the healthcare sector should know about? So, you know, this is really Besides the public hospitals that are have been members of the MSI SAC that we've been running for, for more than a decade, this is really our first foray into private healthcare organizations by providing this. It was something that we really felt needed to be done to help the hospital systems during, especially during this COVID timeframe, especially those hospitals that are underserved or under-resourced in that they, they may know they need something like a secure DNS capability, but they just can't afford it in the budget right now. And so we wanted to be able to provide that to them. When we look at what we might do going forward, well, we're coordinating with the healthcare ISAC. We're coordinating with people like the American Hospital Association and then with CISA inside of DHS for are there other things that we might be able to offer, whether those are federally funded services going forward or whether they are funded privately. We're looking into those kind of things. We, we have some other services that we offer to state and local governments, but we have never offered them to anyone besides state and local governments. So we are exploring the possibility and seeing if there is an appetite from the healthcare industry. Would they be interested in some other services from the Center for Net Security. So this is kind of like us dipping our toe into that water a little bit at the same time, filling a, a what we think is a critical need at a critical time. Thanks, Ed. I've been speaking to Ed Madison. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.